The Secrets of Middle-Earth is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hello, everyone. You're listening to The Secrets of Middle-Earth, where we discuss the hidden themes and deeper layers found in the works of J.R.R. Tolkien, whether in his writings or in any of the media derived from them. Today, we're discussing Season 1 of Amazon Prime streaming series, The Rings of Power. And joining me tonight are Jeff Hecker. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Thomas. And Caitlin Fasista. Hello, Caitlin. Hi, thanks for having me. Okay, so the uh, captain of of our fellowship, Thomas Sanjuro, unfortunately uh, couldn't join us this week. He's feeling a bit under the weather. Uh, But we're looking forward to having him back soon because we have a lot of fun Tolkien topics to discuss in the future. And be sure to follow The Secrets of Middle-Earth in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast app. You can find us on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia, or on Twitter where we are at SQPN, or on Instagram where we are at starquestnetwork. And do us a favor, please, and help get the word out about Secrets of Middle-Earth by sharing the show with all your friends. This is especially important as we're transitioning to a new monthly release schedule because there's a lot of great Middle-Earth content out there. Uh, but as a show that explores Tolkien's Legendarium and its adaptations from a specifically Catholic perspective, I think this podcast has a very unique and special voice. So if you know any other Tolkien fans who'd be interested in our discussions, please let them know about the secrets of Middle-Earth. And uh, before we dive right in to our discussion of Season 1, I just want to get a little bit of listener feedback in Uh This one was interesting. Paul Leone on YouTube writes, Great overview of the season finale. I really enjoyed listening to your thoughts. I guess I was wrong about Halbrand being king of the Oathbreakers. Oops. And um, Paul, (laughs) I I, I think we were all wrong about that one. Anyway, uh, Paul goes on. As for Gandalf in the Second Age, in Lord of the Rings Online, there was a recent storyline where we find Gandalf was sent to Middle-earth in the Second Age in the form of an elf, and openly fought Sauron alongside the Noldor under Gilgalad. He eventually got captured by Sauron in the last years of the age and was tortured to death, after which the Valar took away his memory of the whole thing. I wonder if the show will do something like that, maybe not killing him, but having him sail west when Sauron is defeated. And uh, I actually want to leave our thoughts on whether, you know, Gandalf is in the show and what that might mean to later in our discussion. But I just wanted to ask uh, you guys, speaking of Lord of the Ring video games, have either of you ever played any video games based on the Legendarium? Or are you excited for some of the upcoming releases like the Gollum game or the Return to Moria game? I'm not much of a gamer now, but I, I used to be, and I'm pretty sure I played some of the games that came out after the films came out back in the early 2000s. So I can't say I've played anything more recent. I'm have I'm a little bit familiar with some of them, um, and I think I've played some of the those older games, but nothing more recent for me. Yeah, I'm not really a gamer um, at all, <laughs> but my kids have played the Lego Hobbit game, and I, I oh, occasionally nice. watch them play it, but... I do think that the Gollum game and the new uh, Return to Moria game look pretty interesting. Um, but again, I think it would probably be like me watching my kids play just because I'm not really into games. 
Yeah, it, it's kind of the same with me. I've not played any of the, the previous games. I have seen my brother play through the uh, the Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War games, which we both had huge problems with because of a lot of the, the lore breaking <laughs> things in that. In fact, more lore breaking than anything in this show, just in my opinion. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually I'm really interested in the Gollum game. And, it, it, you know, at first I wasn't interested in Return to Moria, but then when I heard it takes place in the Fourth Age and it's about the refounding of the realm of Moria by Gimli and some of the other dwarves, that I thought was really interesting. And I'd I'd, I'd be looking forward to to getting my hands on that when it comes out. Yeah, I think that'll be fun. So yeah, uh, let's uh, dive right in. We we have a lot to cover tonight. So um, I just want to get your guys' thoughts first on just. The season as a whole, having viewed it again but before this recording, did it hold up on a second viewing? You know, was there anything you liked more than you saw it the first time or maybe even liked less? So, uh, uh, Caitlin, let's uh, let's start with you. What's your overall thoughts on season one of The Rings of Power? I actually enjoyed it a lot more watching it through the second time. I might I think I've seen the series maybe four times straight through now. Um, uh, just because I've been sitting around a lot with the new baby and uh, couldn't really get out of my chair. So why not watch the rings of power? But, um, I think seeing it as a whole story, I've enjoyed it a lot more. It almost makes me wish that they would have done kind of like the Netflix style release where they dropped the whole thing at once, even though it was really fun wondering and kind of going through this journey over the course of seven weeks, it was very stressful too, because um, (laughs) it just like after every episode, you know, you're like, what just happened? What's going on? Especially with the Mithril thing. Um, But (laughs) so seeing it as a whole, I enjoyed it a lot more. Um, It was also very fun to go back and see every single little clue coming up with how brand. And I noticed them the first time around, but I was in denial refuse to believe it um like every single i feel like we (laughs) talked about all of them like you know i got it off a dead man i remember we specifically talked through that and i felt like he was just kind of playing it off but he he really did get it off a dead man yeah Um, so going back and and re-watching that picking up on the little clues i think it was more fun and i actually think that my overall opinion of the series went up um as i've rewatched it yeah, that uh, I, I kind of had a similar experience with the the Halbrand stuff where I was like during the rewatch, I was like, OK, like it, it's funny how they crafted that everything he said that was suspicious could easily be explained away by fans as 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 either misdirection or some kind of, you know, just other reference. And it, it I was like, wow, I can't believe they basically hung it right in front of us with a few key lines. And we were all just like, nope, he's somebody else. He's the Oathbreaker. He's the Witch King. And yeah, I, <laughs> I, I couldn't help but chuckle through the rewatch. I'm like, I can't believe they managed to do that. I know there were other people out there who were convinced from the beginning, but I was certainly not one of them. Uh, uh, Jeff, what about you? What are your overall thoughts on season one uh, having done a rewatch? Yeah, I I mean I enjoyed it pretty much the first time around except for a few uh a few things that I I I was maybe not as bit not as worried about them changing things from canon 
Um, cause I'm a big, as I've said, I'm a big fan of the Jackson films. Um, I've seen those more than I've read more than I've read Tolkien. And I, and I, so I'm okay with a, if they do things and change things that make sense. Um, the mithril thing still kind of, okay, whatever. Um, I'm not, that's might be some of the weakest part of the part of the season, but, um, overall I, I did really enjoy it. Uh, and I, and I did enjoy rewatching and I, I didn't get to fully rewatch every single minute, but I kind of would focus on the scenes of Halbrand and just to kind of listen to what he's saying and how he's relating and say, okay, is this, you know, should we have, should we have caught him there? Um, and I'm, there's a few scenes that I'm still not sure of like, okay, they like this. There was my whole thing was the scene. He was, um, when they were getting ready to leave Numenor, he was in a room by himself and like loaded, he was putting his knives and stuff away and, was just kind of like was kind of acting like Halbrand and not like Sauron. So that in retrospect, I'm like, okay, that was a little bit of a, I mean, I, I guess they were trying to do misdirection, but it didn't really seem like it was, you know, it, it seemed like it just didn't really fit very well in that particular scene. But I mean, that's just nitpicking a very small, um, you know, small couple minutes. And, um, but yeah, no, I, I really have enjoyed the series and I'm, I know it's going to be a long wait, uh, the next one so i'm sure i'll rewatch it a couple more times in between but um yeah no i i overall enjoyed it i think all the performances and the you know the acting are all really strong um and the maybe some of the writing wasn't as strong but i think overall just very i i really enjoyed it had a blast and um it'll be it'll be a while to wait but um yeah i but i enjoyed the ride so far yeah i definitely want to agree with what you said about the acting almost all the acting in the show has been superb. Even when they're given sort of subpar material in terms of script, the actors are able to pull it off in a way that you buy it. Even when you're kind of just like, ah, that line wasn't very good, but it was delivered so passionately. You know, like I I just think all the acting is great. I I especially want to spotlight. I'm terrible at remembering actors names, but the fellow who plays Elrond, just oh, Robert because. Arameo. Okay, thank you. He's he's probably my favorite performance in the whole show. There's just so much nuance with he, he's able to get out every little Im, emotion. He's so expressive. It was just like and his scenes with Durin there back and forth were, were just terrific. But 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 all the acting across the board was just stellar. It it's funny with with me rewatching it. I, I enjoyed it the first time. And it's funny because I rarely rewatch shows anymore. I mean, there'll there'll be a few shows that I watch over and over, like The Mandalorian. And I was worried that when I rewatch The Rings of Power, I'm like, oh, this isn't going to be something that I'm going to want to return to. But actually, I, I enjoyed it just as much on a second viewing. And in fact, some of the scenes that I didn't like the first time, not all of them, but a few kind of grew on me. And I'm, I was thinking just th- this could be a series I can see myself returning to not infrequently. And to me, that that for me, that's the mark of a good show where I, I just feel like immersing myself in that world again. And I think part of it is just that it it's a Tolkien adaptation. So I'm 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 going to keep returning to it. But but at the same time, it's like those last two Hobbit movies. I have not seen since I saw them in the theater. Like yeah, I, ref- I, 
I return to the first Hobbit movie every once in a while because I actually like that one. But the set, but like this show, I'm actually convinced I'm I'm going to watch it again. In fact, I I plan to do another rewatch quite soon. But yeah, I, I just think that's the mark, the, the overall mark of a good show. And and speaking of scenes that that may have worked or the the at least for me, worked more the second time around than the first time around. I want to get into some of the the main storylines of this first season. There there are four in particular. And the first one is, and, and this one will, will, I'm sure, be divisive among fans, and that's the Harfoots and the Stranger. And it's funny because these sequences actually worked for me better the second time around. The Harfoots really grew on me. Like there's still some parts of it which was just weird, but I don't know. I, I the the genuineness of the performances and of those characters, and it it just made me feel really invested uh, in their story. Did did either of you uh, have a similar experience with the Harfoots, or are they still just kind of almost? A, a many people say they're a distraction from the main plot, which they kind of are, but. <laughs> I really enjoyed, like you said, the actors. I think they all did a phenomenal job. I I just feel like the Harfoot storyline wasn't something that spoke to me personally. Um, and I, I understand how it fits in with the rest of the story. And I think they must be building up to something important happening in um, upcoming seasons. But it, it did oh, yeah. feel like, for the most part, you know, not much happened. We really just had Meteor Man and uh, he's kind of discovering who he is and the Harfoots are helping him in that way, which I thought was sweet. But um, I mean, the props, the sets, the costuming, the acting, all of that was really, really good. It just wasn't a storyline that spoke to me or, or meant really anything to me. But I'm really happy for other people who like the Harfoots. I'm glad they're there for everyone else's sake. No, yeah, I, I can see where it, it's definitely a thing that they they felt the showrunners felt a Middle Earth property needs hobbits or casual viewers won't understand why there's no hobbits in a Lord of the Rings series. So but I feel like with that mandate, they they did the best they could with, OK, we need to shoehorn hobbits into this. And I feel like it just could have been so much worse <laughs> than it was. And at, at least with the 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 sort of tail end of that story, when they've really gotten to know Meteor Man and they've kind of made friends with him, his relationship with Nori was what sold it for me. And just especially in those last couple episodes and when they're heading out in the season finale, I was just so reminded of the first Hobbit movie or some of the opening sequences of the fellowship of the ring that it just sort of hit a sweet spot of what I like about those kind of about the Hobbit stuff from the books and from the Peter Jackson movies of, you know, just these little people in a huge world that is completely, you know, beyond their, they're about to go into this wide world that's beyond their experience and have this huge adventure and and grow as characters. And I'm excited to see where Nori's adventure takes her in the future, though. But we'll we'll leave that for our discussion of 
of theories later. Uh, but what about you, Jeff? Uh, what do you think overall of the Harfoot sequences? Yeah, I so it wasn't my favorite storyline and and still isn't. That doesn't mean I don't like it, but it's of the kind of the main ones. It was the one I, I, I kind of agree with Caitlin. It was the one I was kind of least invested in. Um, but I, I did like it. And especially at the end, um, Sadik, I was just thinking of Sadik, like he was kind of a, he was a not a not really nice guy at the beginning, but he kind of, you know, they gave him a great send off. Um, yeah. And so that kind of endeared me to, cause I'm always a big fan of a character going through, you know, having an arc and not just going, staying stagnant. I want characters to evolve and change for good, for good or worse, um, morally. So, I was happy they kind of gave him and the other Harfoots as well to kind of expand them and not just be we're stuck in our ways. And because that's going back to like the, the, you know, the Hobbit Lord of the Rings, most of the Hobbits up until kind of the very end where they're the, you know, the where the Shire gets taken over, at least in the book, most of the Hobbits are like, you know, everyone leave us alone. We'll leave them alone. And, you know, nothing's ever going to change. And so I, I'm glad they kind of started in the evolution of the hobbits in that way, or of the Harfoots in that way a little bit. Um, I am curious kind of where this is in all kind of save speculation um, for the later, but I'm kind of curious where or I am very curious where meteor man and Nori are, are going to go. Cause we, I don't just want to see a storyline of them just wandering by themselves and not really doing much else. I want to kind of see them, interact with people they meet along the way. So I'm hoping that we don't just get a whole season of them wandering and occasionally checking in with them and they're, you know, camping or <laughs> meeting a traveler yeah. here or there, but just, I hope it, I hope what they're doing actually will mean something and not just to the end game of the show, but mean something. I hope they just kind of keep that meaningful um, as they progress in the story. But I did overall, like I said, I, I did enjoy the story the and it was it was kind of you know at first it was kind of like okay let's get back to Numenor let's get back to the you know I want to see the big things going on but then looking back on it and watching it again you're like it was kind of nice to have those little those kind of little breaks here and there of like people just hanging out eating and hiking and <laughs> you know that just kind of a nice little and, and granted they, and they do a lot more they you know fighting off the Sauron cultist or whatever we want to call him um so I, I did enjoy their storyline overall. Just it, it still wasn't my favorite, but I, I, I did like it. And I, and on a second watch, it did improve for me as well. So. Yeah, definitely agree. It, it wasn't my favorite, but on a second watch through, I guess I just appreciated those sequences more where in, instead of just be, I think it was because I knew what was going to happen. So like, as you're watching the episode for the first time, you're like, come on, let's get through this Hobbit stuff. I want to get back to Durin and Numenor yeah. and all that. But Especially it's like, week to week. It's like mm-hmm. it's like yeah. if, I, if I was reading if I was reading this book, I would have skipped ahead a chapter to see what to check back in with yeah. my, my favorite storyline and then gone back later. But yeah, it's like I only have an hour this week to find out what happens. And I've spent 15 <laughs> minutes with the Harfoots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I, I think they 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 took a risk with those sequences and they're not going to work. For everybody but yeah i just felt like on rewatch okay i can appreciate what they're doing here i think like S- sadduck has has i think it's in the second to last episode 
has my one of my favorite lines of these sections where he's like, I'll get some provisions and get me stick. I'm coming with you, but it doesn't matter anyway, because we're all going to die. And that that just makes me, it it just reveals so much about him as a character and how, like, like you said, Jeff, at first, he's kind of like, you know, the, the grumpy elder who's, you know, against Tenori and you don't really like him. But by the end, you're, you, you, you feel for this character. And so it's, it's meaningful when he dies because you've gotten to, to sort of see him progress to a state where he's friendly towards the stranger and nori mm-hmm. but yeah but but a lot of those other and, and nori's dad especially i i re-liked uh, largo i liked him a lot better on rewatch yeah, and i don't know if i said this before but he reminded like when i first saw his character and, and i didn't i didn't read up on the cast or much but i when i first saw him i was like that looks like andy circus uh, oh kind of yeah, he yeah. Does a little bit. and so at first yeah. i was like did they could they have gotten andy circus to to come back but i as i watch i realize it wasn't but i so i'm wondering if that was you know they kind of cast that intentionally or if it's just kind of a happy accident um but it yeah, definitely he, he gave just his appearance made me think and even his voice a little bit which i know yeah, his voice he can modulate um but it, it he reminded me a lot of a lot of andy circus so mm-hmm. yeah did definitely great casting all around for all the different parts yeah and i didn't I didn't know a lot of these actors and I, you know, I watched a good amount of TV in my lifetime and, and recently, and I feel like you see a lot of those kind of bigger name people, but I think I was only familiar with, and I didn't even recognize Elrond, the uh, Robert Arroyo from his appearance in game of Thrones, which is all I would have known him from. And then, uh, Oh, okay. And mm-hmm. then, uh, Valendil, Sildor's friend is in NCIS Hawaii. And aside from that, I don't know that I've, I knew these people are actors and have acted, but I just didn't really recognize them from anything. So it was just, it's always a nice surprise to kind of see like they get some like maybe lesser known people and just get catapult and just, they get launched into, you know, stardom through stuff like this. So just a cool side there. And they've all done so incredibly too. Like I haven't been disappointed by anyone's performances. I've been blown away by like pretty much every, every actor. Yeah. And that's so great. I think it's great to get, relatively unknown actors in these parts because a lot of them are going to be playing iconic characters you know who are many of whom have been done before in the peter jackson films and who are going to be compared by fans to previous performances but i just think it, it helps them as an unknown actor and i think it i think it kind of helps them inhabit the character better yeah, I think it helps viewers too to yes. be able to become immersed because if you had like Jack Black playing, you know, Gil Galad, I think <laughs> like, that's know, an like, interesting image. <laughs> that's the first thing that came to mind. But you know, if you had a really well known actor who's known for a certain type of role, like if you had Johnny Depp, who's kind of an Edward Scissorhands, Jack Sparrow kind of guy trying to play a new role, I think it would be a lot harder to. Um, immerse yourself in the world of the story and so since there are a lot of faces that we don't know yet that made it a lot easier and now we have a whole bunch of new actors that we love so i think that's really absolutely cool. absolutely yeah and that that's kind of and th- th- this isn't really a dig at the mcu or anything but one of my problems with marvel movies is that everyone is so like they, they cast these recognizable people and sometimes it's hard for me to imagine them as the superhero character and not as 
the you know the actor who's playing them mm-hmm. like so but so i'm I'm really glad that they 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 chose that route uh a di- or rather a different route with this show to uh to to use a lot of these lesser known actors who have just who are just phenomenal talents and i'm I'm sure are gonna go on to do a lot of great stuff but uh, I want to move on at this point to i think this what is the central storyline of this season that if if it didn't work would have broken the whole season and that is the galadriel halbrand numenor arc and i i love the numenor stuff in the the first watch through i thought it was great i thought they captured the the look and feel of numenor perfectly i loved a lot of the characters that were in numenor elendil's probably my favorite character in the show just because I, I think uh, Lloyd Owen, the actor, just captured him perfectly. Yeah, but this, yeah. I think I'm with you there on, on Olin Deal. Loved him. But yeah, just this whole segment of Numenor and Galadriel and Halbrand being, you know, sent there and that catapults their whole return to Middle Earth is, is really the central storyline because as the main character dynamics of, you know, Galadriel and Halbrand, who we find, of course, find out later is the Dark Lord himself. What what do you guys think of the Galadriel Halbrand relationship and how that develops over the course of the season? I uh, it's a I don't know. A lot of me is very torn because you can tell that they wanted the audience to think of this as a, at least somewhat potentially romantic relationship by the way that they were kind of leading you in that direction. I know a lot of people have said they didn't notice that, but I really feel like that's what they're doing, especially when you look at the marketing. And so I, I felt like that was kind of a weird choice. Um, But I, I really do like the more I've dug into like um, different quotes. I've, I've seen a lot of people tweeting about different quotes from unfinished tales or, or different things about how, Sauron kind of saw Galadriel as his his chief opponent. And so he it's almost like it's almost like they're equals in a way, even though she's an elf and he's a, one of the Maiar. Um, so they they're not really equal, but they're kind of each other's match. Um, I thought it was really interesting. I still don't know how I really feel about it, just because you have the whole Celeborn issue and then you have the whole thing about how Galadriel wasn't deceived by Anatar in the books. Mm. Um, and then she's very clearly deceived by Halbrand in the show. A lot of it seems like they wanted to go a certain direction and they kind of set themselves in this direction, the showrunners. Um, and then they kind of kept running into different obstacles and didn't really know what to do as they were going in that direction. I don't know. It's it's kind of puzzling to me. I really liked it. Like if I were to just watch this as a show unrelated to Tolkien, I really liked the whole relationship and the way it went and um, the way it ended. And I think the potential for what's going to happen in the coming seasons, I really enjoyed the whole thing. But viewing it as this is Galadriel and this is Sauron, I still feel a little bit weird about it. Um, but I think the way that the reveal was done was really cool. Um, in the last episode, it just kind of still left me feeling very weird. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be the case for a lot of people like us who know the book lore. 
I think for people who either just know uh, this world primarily through the films or or who are more casual fans will 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 probably be real, really into this storyline and be like, oh, wow, this guy was Sauron and he and Galadriel, you know, had this whole relationship and stuff. I I think that's going to work for the the more casual audience. But yeah, for for people like us, it's kind of weird and unsettling. and. Yeah, I, I definitely would have written, I mean, if it was me in charge, I would have written those parts very differently. But I do like the the sort of idea of Sauron being this person who maybe at first gets past Galadriel's defenses, but then later she just shuts him out and she's just like, no, I've there, there there's something wrong with this. There's something wrong with you. You know, I, I feel like if mm-hmm. if they had done that, that may have been more faithful to, you know, what is in the material. And, you know. But, yeah, I, I definitely think it's an interesting relationship. And it was funny watching through those segments again. I almost thought that. They they did too good a job of hiding that he was Sauron in some instances, like like what you said, Jeff, when he's alone by himself, he's not doing suspicious things he's just doing ordinary things i think the the one instance where it's kind of weird is when he's alone by himself sleeping on the ship and he's just awake and i I think we pointed that out in an earlier episode where we're like oh evil never sleeps you know he's kind of like he's a myr he doesn't need to sleep and he's he's just laying there but i feel like they could have done more to kind of signal to us that he's 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 not human or he's different in some way. Uh, Jeff, what did you think of this whole uh, of of how they slowly brought out Sauron and revealed him to us? Yeah, so uh, obviously I was on the I was on the King of the Oathbreakers uh, bandwagon, which we know now is is not uh, Halbrand is not that, but um. So, uh, but I, it did surprise me because uh, I kind of up until the last episode, because as soon as in the in the finale, when he says, think of it as a gift, I was like, OK, it's yeah, it's Sauron. <laughs> up until then, I was, you know, I was definitely th- not thinking that. So I think it was they did well with kind of misdirecting and, you know, oh, yeah. leading to all various speculation. Um, I I am curious and I want to kind of get a get a flashback episode or something where we see because we saw we first meet Halbrand he pulls Gladriel out of the water or is on the raft that pulls him out pulls her out of the water I, like do we I'm curious if those people and that monster if they were even real like or if, if it was some kind of you know illusion that Sauron cast hmm. um, and if they weren't real why was he there or why was even if he was by himself why was he there right um so there's definitely some missing, uh, some missing, or I would say not missing, but some un, unfinished um, stuff there that I'm hope we get to see at some point. Because um, there was also the conversation with him and Adar down uh, later, where Adar says, "I killed Sauron." So did Adar kill someone who looked like Halbrand, or did you know did Hal did Adar kill who he thought was Sauron, and then? Sauron took the form of Halbrand. I don't know. I'm there's there's definitely questions I have um, for the rest of the or, you know for the rest of the series, and maybe we'll get an answer, maybe not. But I I, I did like kind of the overall 
arc they took Halbrand on. And even the, the relationship, I, I'm glad it ended up being him and it kind of made his flirting with Galadriel make a little bit more sense and her kind of responding to it because, you know, she's, she as an elf and flirting with a human, it's not, there's, you know, very, been very little of that in Tolkien, very little kind of crossing of, of those races. Um, and so I was kind of hoping, you know, don't want Galadriel to be like, oh, she has a falls in love with a human um, and then has to settle for uh, uh, Celeborn. So, <laughs> no, and, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> or I guess at the at this point has to, you know, when she had fell in love with Halbrand and then Cal turns out Celeborn's alive and we get a, you know, some kind of love triangle situation. So I'm kind of glad that we, yeah. we we've kind I'm of so cut glad. that off. And, yeah. <laughs> so the, I'm glad that that part or that kind of aspect of it is done um and i could definitely i'm curious how much we'll see galadriel and halbrand or sauron kind of meet up again Um, Mm. because as far as we know she kind of goes off to do her own thing and build her kingdom and sauron and sauron deals is more known for his conflict with numenor uh and then the, the last alliance obviously so i'm I, I mean, I, I like them together as kind of playing off of each other. So I do hope we kind of get to see them. Maybe if like if he's taken captive by Numenor, we see Galadriel come back and, you know, get some more verbal sparring back and forth. So Ooh, a but, kind of reunion would be that would yeah. be interesting. Yeah, I have a feeling they're going to be they're going to be continuing their relationship, however rocky it now is, just because of how good they were together. Um, and how much the audience seems to have really enjoyed their different scenes and their relationship. Like, I have a feeling this is kind of going to be something that continues through the rest of the series or at least part of it. Yeah. And in, in fact, Caitlin, I, I wanted to ask you because I saw you uh, engaging in some discussion on Twitter because there's been some people who have said like, oh, Galadriel ruined Sauron's redemption arc that he was good. He really was good. He was going to help Middle Earth and and she she it's her fault. He turned back she, to the yeah, darkness. She could have fixed him. Yeah. What, what, what are your thoughts on that whole tra- train of thought, I guess? I think that he saw her as a vehicle to more power. And I think that Sauron knows deep down that good is more powerful than evil. So maybe he thought if I can get on the side of good, that is my opportunity to have more power. Um, Even though I also think he knew that like in the end, he's not going to have the strength of will to be good. So maybe he was thinking, well, if I can get Galadriel to like bind herself to me in this way, she's good. So through her, I can be good. And through that, I can have power. So I kind of think that maybe that's where he was going. And maybe he did have some good intentions. Um, But I think we all know that ultimately, no matter if he was, I don't think he was repentant. I think he was like, I'm going to choose to be good because it will bring me more power. And in the end, he would have corrupted Galadriel And then he would have kind of ended up ruling on his own. And something that's really interesting is the actor who's playing Sauron. He's given a bunch of interviews kind of answering these questions. So I think that uh, those have been really insightful, too. Oh, that's cool. I'm going to have to take a look at those. What I thought was interesting, like to your point about where he 
he he's trying to choose good because he thinks it will bring him more power. He has these sort of quasi good intentions. I th- rewatching the first episode, one of the the first lines of voiceover that Galadriel says is no, nothing is evil in the beginning. Which is, I believe, from the books, that's a line from Elrond where he says the full line is nothing is evil in the beginning. Even Sauron was not so. And so at this point, like he's already been evil. He's been working for Morgoth, but he's trying to put his past behind him. But he still has this worldview where I need everyone to listen to me. I I need to dominate stuff. The only way to fix things is by being in control. You know, he has that. Uh, Adar says Sauron wanted to bring all the realms of Middle Earth into perfect order. And I also just think that he he kind of proved, like you said, he 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 wasn't repent. He was sorry, but he wasn't truly repentant because he didn't want to do the hard work that repentance entails, because as we know from the Silmarillion, you know, he tries to surrender himself to the Valar and Aonwe the Maiar tells him, well, you, you've got to come and present yourself to the Valar and face judgment. And Sauron's like, eh, I don't really want to do that. Instead, what I'll do is I'll assign my own sentence to myself. Mm-hmm. And that sentence is community service. <laughs> I am going to do community service and fix all the stuff that I've broken and, and harm Middle Earth. And I'm going to do it my way. And anyone who gets in my way of doing that is an obstacle and I'm going to get rid of them. So it's like. He's trying to do the right thing, but his his ideology is so twisted and broken that it's bringing him back to the darkness anyway. What what, what do you think, Jeff? Do you have any thoughts on this? Um, I mean, it's hard to say it better than than y'all did. But I mean, yeah, he's uh, I was just thinking it's almost like he's like when, you know, to bring it back to our our faith for a second. It's like when you're when you get a confession, you mm-hmm. say the act of contrition. You're you're you know because a lot of people that i've known outside of catholicism and even some within tend to think oh you're you need to go to confession because um you know you you did something bad you need to get you need to go and then you're then you know then you don't need to go anymore but it's really it's it's about the relationship of between us and and god it's not about saying i'm i'm sorry so that you i get something it's saying i'm sorry because i want relationship so Mm -hmm. um as you kind of said like he was he didn't want to come back into relation with valar and and with with iluvatar he wanted to um you know he didn't he he wanted to say i'm sorry because he thought that's what he had to do to so that for for himself not for himself and everyone around him or everyone you know because everyone he's he could impact so um yeah i definitely think he yeah he he decided he was going to set his own um his own penance rather than yeah he thought i was i'll just say three our fathers and a hail mary and and be good to go (laughs) rather than you know they're because rather than having the you know trying to come up with a penance or thinking of something that could actually you know help help him repent for for his actions so no, he, he yeah, he's he's not trying to make restitution, which is what real penance and 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 being sorry for your sins is is all about. He's not trying to make restitution. 
And if he is, he's only trying to do it on his own terms because he the 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 whole plan of enacting the the contingency plan to create Mordor was his plan. Adar just adopted it. So I don't see how this is, quote unquote, fixing Middle Earth or healing it or making it better. So it's like he, he, he still has all these different ideas that are just. Contrary to his his stated motives, so it's almost like he's of two minds, which is funny because like the the the, the Greek word diabolos from where we get devil, it means the divider, the scatterer, you know, and he he's always kind of. Sometimes working at cross purposes to himself, like Sauron or, or Morgoth in a way. And yeah, I, I just feel that it. But I find that interesting. I find that he's an interesting character in this show because there, there's this idea out there, which I really hate, where people say, oh, in high fantasy, the, the a dark lord is not an interesting character. He's just pure evil and has no motivations. And what I liked about this show is that they gave us a dark lord who was conflicted and who has mo- interesting motivations and interesting character. You see why he's doing everything he's doing. You don't agree with him, but you can you you can see the sort of thought process behind it and what he's trying to accomplish. And I just thought that was that was a really interesting take on this type of character, especially because in the Peter Jackson movies, he's just a giant eye. And in the Mm -hmm. book, you you never really see him. You don't get a sense of Sauron as a character, at least in the Lord of the Rings trilogy anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. um, Before we uh, we 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 could talk about Galadriel and Halbrand forever, but at the at at the top of the topic, I know. right? (laughs) At the top of the episode, I mentioned that the the Elrond Durin storyline was probably one of my favorite parts. And I just loved the acting all around in that. And I'm interested to see where that goes next, because it ends at a very interesting point. You know, you have Durin, who is disowned by his father, and we know they're eventually going to get mining to the Mithril again. But I I wonder how early they're going to do that. Do you guys think that's something we'll see next season or will they put that off? Because like we I don't know how much time compression they're doing. What do you think, Caitlin? I really hope that they aren't going to um, r- unleash the Balrog and have it destroy Kaza Doom because that's a third age event. And I'm really holding on to hope uh, with something the showrunner said at Comic-Con. They said uh, someone had to ask them about um, third age events and they said, the second age is so vast, I don't think we'd have any room to fit third age events. And I'm like just clinging to that line, that that quote from them for dear life. Um, <laughs> because like I at this point, I feel so tired of them changing things that mm-hmm. I feel are unnecessary. So it, I wouldn't put it past it. it. It might work within the story itself, but I'm kind of still like holding on to my copy of the Silmarillion for dear life with this one. (laughs) It's so weird, right? Because they've shown us the Balrog. So it's kind of like Chekhov's Balrog at this point. If they don't use it, people are going to be disappointed and say, well, why did you show us that? And when they showed it to us in the, um, the main trailer, it was so cool. 
Yes, because yeah. you have the the trailer, you think it ends, and then you see this Balrog. And um, when we saw it at Comic Con, like you know, people were flying out of their seats, cheering. <laughs> like uh, there was a huge response. And so for that scene to that was literally all we saw of the Balrog in the whole season. I thought that was kind of a bummer. And then I think of the animating team, the CGI team who had to create that Balrog for what? Like, are we going to see more of it? Yeah, I don't know. As- Especially um, if if they decide, well, that's a third age event, so we're not going to use it. It, yeah, and and it's weird because we know that 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 the the Durin who is the re- reference to in Durin's Bane as a name for the Balrog is Durin the sixth, not Durin the fourth. So they kind of have a problem there too. Right. So it. it's hard to see where they're going with that, but I'll yeah. be patient because I feel like they. Um, they've earned some of my trust. I, I, uh, with the whole Sauron thing, I think they really, really understand Sauron very well. So I will give them, I will be patient and I will wait to see. And they seem to understand dwarves really well. Some Mm -hmm. of my favorite sequences in this series were giving us these insights into dwarven culture, e- even when it's fake, like when Durin makes up the whole story about the table, <laughs> just, <laughs> j- just him talking about this made up aspect of dwarven culture was I was like on the edge of my seat listening to that. I'm like, yes, <laughs> give me more of these details. This is fascinating. I, I just loved all of this insight into they're they're really fascinating culture. It kind of reminded me almost of like in Star Wars from the Mandalorian, where they gave us all this stuff about Mandalorian culture or in the book of Boba Fett, where we got to see the culture of the sand people. And I, I as as a former anthropology major, I am really into that stuff. And I, I was just eating that up. Uh, Jeff, what did you think of? both of the dwarf sequences in general and the looks that we got at Casa Doom and in, in its glory, like we've only ever seen it on screen in its decrepitude. Yeah, no, I, I love that was, that was definitely a close, it's hard to for me to rank these storylines. Cause I yeah. love, I, there are definitely, there are things about them. I like, and like a, a certain act, certain characters. I'm like, you're might be my favorite character, but I like the storyline better, but there are, they're all very, you know, closely tied in terms of, you know, how I, how much I like them, but I love, I love the dwarf dwarven storyline, loved cause of doom. And, um, I mean, Durin and Disa were just a great, uh, you know, they're a great couple. Oh, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. like just thinking of, I didn't, I don't think I said anything in the episode we did it on, but when, when they're talking about how hard headed his dad is and, and Deesa's like, yeah, he is. And and then he starts to make a joke about his about her mom. And then it, but he cuts himself off because he knows if he goes, <laughs> yeah. even, if he, even if everybody knows he's joking, he knows, you know, you can't take that too far. So you just um, don't just, go there. Yeah. yeah just, so I just I, I just really like the culture and seeing all all the stuff we got. And I definitely look forward to more. And I mean, his friendship with Elrond was great. Um, and yeah, so a funny confession for me. The, when the trailer came out and people were talking about the Balrog, I'm like, where is this Balrog? I don't see it because I kept stopping oh. when it said oh, no. Amazon oh, Prime. Yeah. And so I was like, You're like, oh, it's over. I was like, it's where? like a post thing. Yeah. yeah. And I rewound the trailer and I would like, I would try to like pause. I'm like, where is this thing? And I was Googling, <laughs> oh, looking no. up stuff. And finally I, f- I figured out, oh, 
it's like a second after the trailer, but um, well, that's so really we, annoying that there's now po- quote unquote post credit <laughs> scenes in yeah. trailers. I think yeah. the only thing that's more annoying is when they put those little sizzle reels in front of trailers, <laughs> the trailer before yeah. the trailer. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> yeah, but um, but as far as the storyline goes, so I I'm almost wondering if we'll see the Balrog kind of because I was almost wondering when because we see more when Mordor gets blown up or when the volcano blows up to make Mordor or uh, I almost wondered if maybe that's kind of what awakened the Balrog and he's kind of mm. sensing the return of um, you know an a former. I guess ally or former boss because the Balrogs were they're also Maiar like right. Sauron like the Asari they're all they're of the same kind of class of um, being so I almost wonder if we'll see you know maybe not see the the Durin's Bane part in the show or or at least in this early part of the show but maybe see the Balrog kind of like sneak out of the depths and see what's going on in, in, uh, Mordor, um, and maybe become an ally of Sauron or, uh, you know, or so, you know, some other kind of secondary antagonist of some sort. Um, I, I don't know that that's going to happen though. I, I, I definitely have a feeling that they're going to do the whole Durin's Bane thing in this show. Um, so I, I, I don't think it would bother me if they did. Um, cause I, I know I'm kind of less of, you know, the lore isn't as, um, it's important to me, but it's not like I'm okay with changes, but I, so I don't know. I could, it, I think it's going that way just because of it being a show and they've, you know, like you said, check off Spalrog, they brought it up. So now they have yeah. to use it. Um, but I, it'd be, if they did something different with it and did, did it in a, twi- a different way than we're expecting. Cause they've, that's kind of how they've done with the shows. They've, they've kind of set things up and we're all kind of all in, in one way. And then they, do a twist or do a, you know, a misdirect or something else. So, um, but yeah, the Dwarven stuff, I hope you know, we see a lot more of it, see a lot more of, of, uh, Moria and, uh, and it's, yeah, like you said, in its glory. So I would love to see some like big Smiths seeing, you know, the dwarves kind of in their element of crafting and the whole, I mean, I love the whole, the singing, I forget what they call it, but the singing oh, resonating, yeah. yeah, resonating. I thought that was really, really cool. Um, uh, just a really cool aspect, which I don't think had been in any of the, any of kind of the works. Um, so I, I hope they just expand on that and continue to build that. Cause that definitely was one of the races we've seen the less, the least of, um, of the kind of the, the good races. Um, and we're not counting the orcs who it seems like we are getting some culture of in the show. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely think that, it's almost like they, they've set it up to where they want to use the Balrog because they, they have this thing with the Mithril and Durin the third, the king doesn't want to dig for it. Durin the fourth is very gung ho about digging for the Mithril. So there's that idea of the dwarves dug too greedily and too deep and awoke the mm-hmm. Balrog. So, yeah, it, it it's it's like they're setting things up, but they could. But yeah, you. That's true, Jeff, where they they have misdirected us before. So I'm I'm definitely interested to to see where they take this storyline, and especially because now kind of Durin's Durin the fourth status is up in the air. So it will be interesting to see what happens with him in the future. I, I just hope we get more Durin 
and Elrond next season and more Disa as well. I, I like mm-hmm. those three characters interacting together. I, I, I just think that's great. And I, I was with Elrond. I was especially pleased that we got references, heavy references to both his brother Elros and to A.R. and Dill. That was huge <laughs> for me. I wanted them to do that this season and they definitely delivered on that. Yeah. And we could definitely, I, I think you or um, one of, one of y'all said, we could potentially see um see a flashback with Elros using the same using yeah. the same actor um you know kind of the founding of Numenor which i think would be would be really cool to i would see. really like to see um, that yeah and mm-hmm. I, I mean it, if we could see if we saw a flashback to Arendil he's one of my favorite of the kind of silmarillion characters so that would be even i don't think we will just be but that would be really cool. I don't think they can use that. Like, yeah, not yeah. without the special permission. They'd have to. But and it seems like they're kind of sh- they kind of have probably done all the the first age stuff they're going to do. Um, so I would we'll love see. any flashbacks at all. I just think yeah. yes, when they yeah. do throw in um, the moments back from the first age or even before then, I would love to see how Adar came to be who he is, how how Sauron came to, you know, maybe fall under Melkor's um, dominion. I just think Ooh, like yeah. any more information that we can get on these characters and how they came to be the way that they are would just be so cool. Yeah, I think that's that's something I'm also definitely interested in. Anything that gives us more insight into these characters. And I have. I've been referencing Star Wars a lot tonight, but that's that's what a lot of the new Star Wars media has done so well. Like, you know, Clone Wars and now uh, currently Tales of the Jedi is on giving us backstory elements about certain characters, you know, things about them that you didn't realize and that totally explain their motivations as characters. I think there's there's a lot of potential in this series to do that with characters we think we know so well from the third age and giving us a lot of very interesting, you know, backstory stuff with them that will just, you know, make them even more fleshed out characters. Um, In terms of new characters, I think this next storyline is pretty much all new characters, and that is Arondir, Bronwyn, and the Southlanders, which, like, for me was kind of like, tied almost with the Harfoots as when the first time around I was like I mean I liked Arondir but some of the other stuff I wasn't too keen on with this storyline what would you all think of uh of the Southlanders and I mean well especially the the one thing I did like though was the Southlands transformation into Mordor that was a great idea I think that it was actually really well done and for being made up and pretty much entirely out of original characters, I thought it was really able to get me invested in their characters really quickly. And mm-hmm. before the show had aired, I thought I was going to absolutely hate the Arondir and Bronwyn thing. <laughs> um, but like by the end of it, I was like, this is fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine with this. <laughs> um, I do feel like it'll probably end with some kind of tragedy. Um, but Whenever that happens, I'll I'll welcome it. But I'm also not mad right now about it. Um, and that surprised me because I just thought Arondir was such a cool character. He was yes. so elvish, especially in his love for trees. Um, and then he was just so caring for the people of the Southlands. And 
I thought it was really cool to see him kind of step into this father role for Theo and kind of trying to counsel him. Um, and then I, I thought Bronwyn was really courageous and very heroic just all around. I thought, um, even like wall drag, he was, yeah. he was kind of this guy that you, you love to hate, but he was, yes. he was really well done. He was super cool. We had Rowan, Theo's friend. Um, his acting was incredible. Just like, Everyone brought their full heart to that storyline, and um, I was just really impressed by all of it, and and it was, I don't know, I thought it was great. Yeah, at first I thought I was going to hate Theo. I was like, uh, teenage character, you know, this is, uh, <laughs> you know, but the, he really grew on me over the course of the season, and he really expands and grows as a character. Uh, again, the, the, the acting was just spot on. I liked his whole, you know conflict of like you know uh what what do i do with this this power i've discovered this weapon but and but i I like that he is he's loyal enough to his mother and his community that when given the chance to join waldreg he doesn't take it Mm -hmm. and that was sort of really is a good kid yeah that was the moment where i'm like okay i am on board with you as a character and i actually liked in episode seven the eye where they paired him with galadriel for most of the episode i thought they had some interesting interactions and so i i'd like to see more of of theo in the future yeah i i, I like theo too and uh, yeah like you said i at first i was like oh he's gonna be the kind of the annoying character that is either gonna you know turn into a villain which he still might um yeah I'm, I, you know, if we want to speculate, I'm, I'm now that we know it's not Halbrand, I'm kind of thinking it could be Theo as the king of the Oathbreakers down the road. Mm. Um, just because, you know, especially if his mom, because his mom is, is kind of the queen of the Southlands right now, um, or, you yeah, know, basically. queen of those people, which I guess that that's all the people there are. I don't know. Um, you know, but if, if she's kind of the leader of this area and gathers and it kind of passes to him eventually, um, especially if he, if because the Sildor is still out there in the in in Mordor, um, right. so maybe they kind of become friends and then eventually, um, you know, Theo betrays um, him, betrays him because we've seen him already betray for someone he loves, like his mom when um, he when he told Adar where the or the orcs where the um, sword was hidden. Um, but I, I, yeah, the. I, I like the storyline too. Um, it it was a little at first. I was like, okay, what's the what, what's what's the deal with this? It, it was like many things with this show. Like it's something new in a world that's been pretty well established. So if you know you're all ever, it's like something new. What is what's gonna you know is this gonna be good or bad? And but I you know and I think we all tried to approach it with an open mind and. Um, and I, I, I like the storyline, um, seeing kind of the split in the Southlanders of some are going to go with, you know, some are just going to say, well, we're our ancestors fought for Morgoth and Sauron. So, you know, how can we be any different, you know, not, not trying to, you know, fix their own lives, but just saying, well, we're, we're bad. So we're going to stay bad, even though they have a choice that uh, you always have a choice in that kind of with them. So, um, yeah, and yeah, seeing it turn into Mordor was was just that was I watched that sequence again and it was just a great um, just great visual and um 
definitely look forward to seeing how that develops. And uh, as we kind of, cause they're going to have to populate it with some more people, uh, more characters and, uh, and seeing if there is kind of going to be a King of the Southland situation or if they're going to kind of be how they're going to be, you know, fighting, are they going to fight orcs? Are they going to kind of try to just leave altogether? Um, so I'm very interested to see, like I said, all these storylines, I'm interested. I definitely am, I'm invested in them and I want to see more. Yeah. One thing that, that really interested me as, as a history buff was kind of the relationship between the elves and the people of the Southlands. Cause it's almost like the same. It, to me, it reminded me of the allies occupying Germany at the end of world war two. Because mm. to the average allied soldier, they're like, well, you people are just all Nazis. Like they didn't they didn't differentiate between Nazis and ordinary Germans. I mean, the average soldier wouldn't be. So it it the the way they kind of treated the people, especially when uh, Iran in, in an early scene, Arandir is speaking to the watch warden and the watch warden is like, it's not about what these people were. It's about what they still are to him. These people are still the same people who served Morgoth. You know, it's kind of like that. They're all Nazis kind of mentality. And that whole relationship between an occupying power and the occupied was something very interesting. And that, that I kind of wish we we would have gotten more of, but that we only had eight episodes. So they, they had very limited mm-hmm. time to kind of explore that. But I, I thought that was very uh a, a very fascinating aspect of that. And I, I and I, I think we got a lot of that in microcosm, but with Arondir's relationship with Bronwyn, that he sees past what they were and what maybe some of them still are like Waldreg, you know, to what these people could be. And I, I think that that's, that's a very Tolkienian and a very Catholic too theme that you're not defined a, you're not defined by your past and you're not even defined by the person you still are. You always have a chance for improvement. You always have a chance for repentance. So I, I think that that's a really great aspect of the whole Southland story arc. Yeah, I'm yeah, kind of curious to see if because we they because they left off at a they were at a Numenorian old Numenorian colony. And if we yes. see Numenor come back it could be kind of that kind of a situation that, well, the elves left, but you know, now we have Numenor coming in to try to occupy and, um, you know, could lead to some tension and, um, set up there for, you know, the King of the Oathbreakers or whatever storyline, um, you know, along those lines. So, um, yeah, definitely. That was, that was definitely an apt comparison. Um, and how some, you know, some of the occupying powers, like, like the uh, West uh, West Germany kind of became very, very Americanized and Westernized. And then East Germany was very, became very, was became communist and became very, um, you know, follow the lead of the Soviets. So you kind of follow in that kind of a situation, you follow your, you know, you, you follow the victor. And so, right. Which could be a good thing. We could see the people kind of be elevated by the Numenorians because um, they were kind of, didn't really have a lot, you know, a lot left after they had to flee their homes and, you know, didn't have much left. So we could see that in a, in a good way, hopefully. But I have a feeling since we know where that story, where Numenor, where that storyline ultimately will go, that they Numenor kind of becomes a more of the occupying power, more of the the empire. And you're their you're their subjects. Um, 
And, 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 and that's a great segue, because in terms of what happens in the future, I want to get your guys thoughts on predictions for next season, your your hopes, your fears, maybe, and where, <laughs> where you think the, the story is headed next. So, uh, uh, Caitlin, let's start with you first. So I think we will see the Dwarven rings being made at some point. Um, I know we've got to see Halbrand returning to Mordor, so he's probably going to have some kind of face-off with Adar, where Adar will probably die, unfortunately. I think uh, he's one of the coolest characters, so if great. he has to die, can he wait until, like, you know, the end of the season? Um, I, I would just love to get more time with Adar. I think he's so cool. Um, I think we're going to have to see Galadriel is... Um, She's just been dealt like a massive blow, even if her relationship with Halbrand wasn't romantic. Like he was probably her best friend other than maybe Elrond and Elrond had just sent her off to Valinor. So they had some issues there. Like we see even when she wakes up uh, after Mount Doom erupts, like the first person she calls for is Halbrand. So like to lose this friendship or relationship, whatever it was, has got to be devastating. So she's probably going to have to be going through some kind of healing process. Maybe she'll be reunited with Celeborn. Um, I think we're, oh, I know we're going to meet Kyrdan because they've, the showrunners have said uh, that he's confirmed for season two. So I don't know what that's going to, how that will fit in with everything. Um, And then we're, I hope that we would see Celebrimbor's relationship with the dwarves. Because it's really all been Elrond and the dwarves. Um, so I, 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 that's kind of my guesses of things that we'll see. Um, they seem to be forging the rings in the order of the, the ring poem. So we had three rings mm. for the Elven Kings this season. So I'm guessing we'll get um, the seven in season two. Um, and and then we're, I know we're also going to see Sauron just being like a mean, evil guy, just based off of the uh. interviews that I've read. Um, so that'll be fun. Um, and I feel like they've made they, I feel like they might have done too good of a job making Halbrand a sympathetic character. So yeah. hopefully um, in season two, we will um, get over him and uh, see him for the bad guy that we're not supposed to sympathize with. Right. Because that's been a, a real like weird moment for me because I really, really liked Halbrand. And then. It's almost like I'm in Galadriel's shoes. Like, wait a second. I was rooting for the Dark Lord himself. I think like, they wanted to do that. To and viewers. then it's like, what yeah. does this say about me? Like, <laughs> am I okay? Do I need to go to therapy? Like, what's wrong with me here? So hopefully in season two, we get to see, you know, like, he's very bad. Uh, and I hope that that will um, be good to see. <laughs> So what about you, Jeff? What are your theories for season two? Yeah, so um yeah, we I think we talked about Kurt on the last time, so I'm I'm excited about that. Um because he's just kind of a cool character from uh from the legendarium. So um I I don't know how they'll kind of bring him in, but as far as yeah, I mentioned seeing I, I would love to see a flashback, like I said, of Sauron seeing how he kind of arrived to the point we meet him. Um, and see kind of, was it all an illusion or was it, you know, did he some, was he randomly with these people or what was the kind of the purpose of all that? Um, and I, I think it's a, a good bet we will. Um, so I, I have a theory or my theories kind of will at least see some of that in a, 
even if it's not a full episode, maybe just kind of interspersed with an, uh, another episode or something like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, we'll see, like I said, a Sildor is still out there. So we'll yes. have to see him, oh, yeah. him get back, um, get back to Numenor at some point. Um, but I think we'll, because we, we, we talked a little bit about Olindil and he was one of my favorite characters as well this season. Just, um, great. You know, I, I just love the, the casting was great. He, the actor just put so much, like you could sell. There's a lot of, you know, gravitas behind him and he's both kind of sad and tragic, but also heroic, um, and, and hopeful. So, um, we'll kind of, they mentioned Inarion. So hopefully we'll kind of, uh-huh. we'll, hopefully we'll get to meet Inarion and kind of get more maybe details on to why, as to why there seems to be a little bit of a rift there. Um, and I've, uh, I'm wondering if it has something to do with his, with Lindell's wife, uh, getting killed. I believe they said she drowned. Um, and then his daughter's there as well. So. Um, it'll be kind of interesting to see that family dynamic as they kind of grieve and then Isildur, you know, meets back up with them at some point and just and see where new- his sister saw she's, she's up in the Palantir room. So yeah, that's right. That's a whole yeah. other layer to that. Yeah. And just seeing kind of where Numenor goes in the next season. Cause we've, you know, the queen is blinded. So I, she's, I could see her kind of becoming more of almost like a seer, like sage kind of character kind of dis- dis- distancing herself from ruling, which could lead to Farzan to kind of take the reins of power, take the reins of, and, you know, ultimately kind of become, you know, the, the crown himself as King or, or, you know, marry, marry her, the queen, and then take over in that way. So I don't know if that, that may be more of a season three uh, situation or end of season two, but, um, and then, yeah, the, Definitely more dwarf stuff, whatever it is. <laughs> I'm happy yeah. here for it. Um, I don't know because I can't remember if they said Durin, if Prince Durin had brothers or something. They mentioned um, he had a brother. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So maybe we'll see. Yeah. So I think we'll see kind of his family dynamic and maybe having a kind of a, a conflict with his brother and his father. So um, definitely something to. Uh, yeah, I definitely uh, want to see more of that and just anything more dwarfs. Give it, uh, I'll definitely mm. take it. Um, and then I know we, we didn't really speculate much on where the stranger meteor man and Harfoot situation, but I'm curious to kind of see if they, how much of that we see this season. If it's because, like I said, if it's just them two traveling, I don't think that's really a compelling story unless they're kind of meeting people along the way. So um, I, I think we've all kind of speculated maybe they're going to, they're going to Rune and they're going right. to, but yeah. we don't really know much about Rune and and what and um, you know any of that any of that place and the people. So I'm want to know will they kind of play into the storyline of the ultimate storyline of the of the of Tolkien of of the legendary in Middle Earth, or if it's kind of going to be, you know, is he just a kind of a and blue wizard we haven't met before going off on an adventure and we'll just kind of, it, but I feel like the, all these storylines are going to come back together at the very yeah. end. So I don't know how that looks with the, with him and with Nori right now, maybe they're going there to try to find, you know, they think they need to find some kind of power or something. Maybe I'll have some other speculation on that, but um, 
definitely curious to see how it all kind of comes together. I have one theory about that they may introduce a new secondary villain in the next season having to do with Rune, because we know that the three, whatever they were, the weird sisters, the, the Maiar, <laughs> whatever they were, they were from Rune. And there's a throwaway line in Numenor where Queen Muriel mentions something about runic emperors. And I'm wondering if they will introduce the Easterling Lord Kamul as a new secondary villain for the stranger storyline. Cause we, you know, he, he eventually becomes the second in command of the Nazgul. Okay. The main, that would be really cool. Yeah. The main ring wraith under the witch King and to introduce him as a mortal man at first, who is interested in sorcery and the dark arts, you know, someone who may be lured into receiving a ring of power <laughs> and who has, who may be a kind of Morgoth worshiper who set himself up as emperor over the East, especially if the stranger is one of the blue wizards. We know that one of the blue wizards is, uh, has a name uh, that translates as East helper. And it's funny because Nori keeps insisting that the stranger is here to help. So I, I just wonder if we're going to see them try and, you know, I don't know. It would be hard for one wizard and a hobbit to liberate the East, but they, they could be doing so. But who, who knows? There may be an object they need to find. But I, ju I just think somehow that Kamul may be introduced as an antagonist for their storyline. And if, if that's true, I, I would be really excited about seeing that because he's we don't know anything about him other than his name and that he's a Nazgul. Yeah, and I no, think there's cool. a lot of room there. For yeah, that'd be really cool. And actually, I did remember something that I thought of um, that they I could be wrong on this, but I, I think I looked it up and I would, it, it looked like I that this is possible. Is where the elves. So in the Silmarillion, where the is Cuvanan, where the elves awoke. Isn't that in the east? Yeah, possibly in Rune. So I almost wonder if maybe they're that's what he's somehow going. Maybe it's tied into the decay of the elves to go back to kind of their origin. Um which I believe in this, in the Silmarillion, the Cuvian is, it was destroyed or lost in the, in the um, war of wrath or, um, against Mel against Morgoth. But maybe that's what they're looking for. Some kind of source of primordial power that could, hmm. you know, help solve whatever the kind of the decay of, um, you know, the elves and the, the decay of middle earth. Uh, although maybe now that they have the rings, that's not as much of a concern. So, um, but anyway, that was just uh, I had thought of that the other recently. And um, so I don't know what, if that is probably probably not much uh, there. But I think your stuff is probably more likely, um, which would be really cool to kind of get. I mean, any, exploring more of this world that we don't know is is always great. So, yeah, and that that's definitely what I think the strength of the show is and what the potential is for more interesting uh, for more interesting stuff along those lines, which leads me into my last question for you guys tonight. And that is, this has obviously been a huge success for Amazon, despite all the controversy and kind of, you know, nerd rage that has surrounded it. It it's been a huge success. They, they, they invested so much into this show. They took a gamble and I think it paid off. And so do, do you think that there is the potential for spinoffs of this show? Will they try to create 
a Middle Earth streaming cinematic universe out of the Lord of the Rings. Part of me hopes not just because that's so cringy, but (laughs) I would also love it. (laughs) Um, The more Middle Earth, I mean, the more time we get to spend in Middle Earth, it's so wonderful. It's been so cool and such a gift to be able to go back in this way. I never thought in my life that I would see the two trees of Valinor depicted on the screen or like, you know, that I would hear my kids talking about Silmarils because they learned about them in a TV show, you know, or that I'd be talking to my neighbors about the Lord of the Rings just casually, you know. So that has been so wonderful and so cool. So if they do want to do spinoffs, I'd be okay with it. I just hope they do them tastefully and that they don't overwhelm us. Like we, I don't want to be seeing like a movie every year or, you know, five things happening at once. And, and I just don't want them to cheapen Tolkien. And I think it kind of, that eventually will happen just because that's what happens with any adaptations. But maybe if they just do it carefully, it won't be so bad. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I'm always excited for more content and yeah, I mean, I hope they don't over, they don't kind of stretch it too much where it's just, they're just pumping it out for money because it makes money. They're going to make it. Um, I hope they, you know, there's always, I hope there's always good intentions behind the creation of whatever, whatever spinoffs or other content we get. Um, I, and I, I think I'd read that there was, when they were kind of shopping around a, a middle earth TV show to various places, there were, there were a number of pitches um, and that were heard and, or that were given about from all kinds of different peoples. So there's like a young, the young Aragorn um, show or, you know, like a, about his father, um, you know, so it didn't even have to be like, I could see them doing spinoffs of this show in particular using characters or, um, or, you know, characters or, but I could also see them going and using different, uh, different people in the same world or, but in a different time. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely hope I would love to see something kind of dwarf centric, um, you know, down the road, whatever that may be, uh, whether it's in third age or, or beyond, um, like our, someone who was mentioning the fourth age, uh, or we were talking about the fourth age. So, um, it would be very cool to see that. I, I don't know that we'll go into the fourth age in any kind of content just because I feel like the, the ending of the return of the King in the appendices in the, you know, kind of the appendices of that story are kind of pretty final. So yeah. going, you know, going beyond that, I'd, I don't think I'd want to see like the elves of left. What's, you know, what's, what are the humans going to do now? Um, <laughs> but I hope, uh, but anything kind of in, in between, I would love to see. So definitely here for it. Um, yeah, I think we had mentioned in an earlier episode that a spinoff about the War of the Dwarves and Dragons would be really epic. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. Oh, yeah. Of course, if you gave me an unlimited budget, I would probably do <laughs> a uh, Angmar War series. Oh, just because wow. I think the kingdom of Ar- the lost kingdom of Arnor and how it splits into three petty kingdoms in- and the- influenced by the Witch King. I just I I just think that's a really cool story arc and it's in the appendices. They have access yeah. to it. So if if they want it like I don't know if if they're allowed to make other shows besides this one, but if they want to set something in the third age, the Angmar War is there and it would it would have a lot of potential for a be a more conflict-centric kind of 
Game of Thrones almost style thing. Like not in terms of, you know, <laughs> yeah, don't say that. <laughs> not, I, I don't I mean that in the in the terms of objectionable content. I mean that more in the sense that it it's about warfare. You know, it's specifically yeah. conflict based and that there's a lot of factions because in the Angmore War, there's a ton of factions and there'd be a lot of ways to to uh, weave in characters that we know, like Elrond and. Uh, oh, God. Uh, Glorfindel. Yeah, Glorfindel, one of the else. He takes part in the Angmar War. So there's right. all kinds of great like you know character moments and of course you you would have the witch king as the primary villain and he's kind of a fan favorite so i just think there's a lot of potential there but who knows what we're going to get in the future i know that the uh the the rights to lord of the rings were recently acquired by somebody else so i don't know how much more they can do yeah i mean, i want to say it was like a norwegian company or like some some bear, some country some company in europe acquired them um so they could potentially make films or adaptations so well i think uh, prime only has the rights for tv series so maybe someone else has the rights for films or something like that and of course warner brothers is going to release the the animated rohira movie in a couple of years i'm excited for that that'll be fun to talk about too when it comes out absolutely So do you guys have any uh, final thoughts on season one of the Rings of Power? Uh, nothing here. Just I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I, I'm, I know you said you don't typically rewatch things. I, I'm a big rewatcher. Like I've seen Mandalorian. I don't know how many times and <laughs> I just finished rewatching it again. So I'm definitely a rewatcher of, of these kind of shows, um, especially in between seasons and leading up to the next season. So I'm sure I'll watch it at least probably twice more, probably like the the night before it comes out, the new season comes out. I'll be watching binge watching this, uh, in a day just to kind of get myself in that mind. But I, I really loved it. And so, um, it was, it's been a fun journey. Yeah. I, I really, really appreciated the series. I feel like, um, it's easy to be critical, um, just from sitting at home watching it thinking, Oh, I would have done this different. I would have done that different, but I feel like I still don't know the full story. The show, the showrunners know what they're doing. They have the full story in their minds and they're kind of drip feeding it to us with each episode. And um, so it's hard to be patient and wait and, and see what happens. But I really, really liked the show. I think there's room to improve with season two. And I hope that they'll kind of take the lessons they've learned from season one and carry that on with them. But like the cast has been amazing. The, visuals and the music and there's oh, the just so music. much to love yeah, yeah like this it's where the shadows lie has been on repeat on my amazon oh, music yeah. app <laughs> yeah and if you just compare it to anything else that's on tv right now i just feel like it's miles above any other shows especially in terms of something that i can watch with my whole family like i can it's a fantasy world a, a beloved story um, and it's something that I can enjoy with my family. So I just think um, even though it's not perfect, it just was a really, really good show so far. And I cannot wait to see um, where they go with season two. OK, and on that note, that's it from us. We'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make this show possible, including Claudia S., James K., Alfredo B., Ed B., and Mary V., 
Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give help us to continue to create the secrets of Middle Earth and all the shows here at StarQuest. You can join them at sqpn.com slash give. So we'd love to hear what you think about Season 1 of The Rings of Power. You can let us know at sqpn.com slash Middle Earth or on our Facebook page or on Twitter, or you can send an email to middleearth at sqpn or visit our channel on the StarQuest Discord server at sqpn.com slash discord. We'll be back next time where we'll be doing a special holiday episode discussing the best gifts for the Tolkien fan in your life. Until then, Caitlin Fasista, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Middle Earth. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. And Jeff Hecker, thank you as well. Thank you, Thomas. And once again, I'm Thomas Salerno. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Middle Earth on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Stargate. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash stargate.